ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 30 million cards, from baseball superstars like Aaron Judge to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man. ComC has something for every type of collector. Visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I hope your new year has headed in the right direction. I hope it is off to a good start. Mine has gone pretty well. This was pretty much a a normal week back at work, back at the day job, but I had a lot of fun this last weekend as well. We had Steam into Star Wars, one of the local community high schools that's over near Peoria, a little bit, about a half hour, 40 minutes away from me. They hosted Steam into Star Wars this week. Tom Gross put that on. He's one of the the co-hosts in the variety of the Coffee with Kenobi shows. He had his students coordinate a variety of educational activities that were all related to Star Wars. There's a big art focus. There was a robotics team there. There's a lot of craft activities for kids, some panels about content creation and digital content creation and authorship. There's a podcast panel where they a variety of different podcasts in the Marvel and Disney world all kind of did some live recordings there at the event. It was a lot of fun. I took my daughter. We got a chance to do a lot of things, have a little fun. And so that was that was a pretty neat opportunity. So that was a lot of fun on Saturday morning. And then after I got back from the shop on Saturday afternoon, I found that I had received my SGC submission back. I had submitted it through Underdog Collectibles. You've heard me talk about them being an approved group submitter to SGC, and so I had recently submitted five cards through them. I've got a vintage C-3PO card. I've got an Undertaker rookie, a Kobe rookie, a Bo Jackson rookie, a Jerry Rice rookie. That's what I submitted this time. Overall, I'm pretty happy with those returns. I did a video on that, and it's up on TikTok, and by the time you listen to this, it'll be up on YouTube as well. If you want to kind of see the full reveal of what my SGC submission was this time, and so it was a lot of fun to get that back. I can get those tucked away in the PC. Pretty much everything I've submitted up to this point the, the handful of cards over the course of 2022 was all stuff from the PC that I'm putting back in the PC. So you can check that out if you want to by, by going to the YouTube channel to see my full submission reveal. Well, our main conversation today is going to be with Dr. Beckett. We spent some time uh, about a month or so ago and just kind of caught up on things that have been going on for us. We had a few questions for each other. And so he had run that on his podcast. I'm going to go ahead and run it in two parts on, on this podcast as well. And we're going to go ahead and get into that conversation after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors. It breaks product a few days a week. Now you can find out what they're going to be breaking this week by checking out udogcollect.com. You can also see their full selection of wax, singles, supplies if you check out their physical shop in Knoxville, Tennessee. And like I mentioned in my intro, they are an approved group submitter to SGC. And so if you want to learn more about that program, you can find out more info at udogcollect.com as well. 
And when you do check them out, make sure you tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. You know, one of the things I want to talk about is kind of like breaking down these big, you know, buying these big collections. And to be able to work at double speed is important. I've had people over here to help me sort, you know, like on a Saturday, if some people live in town. And I don't want to mention any names, but some people are super fast. Mm -hmm. I will mention the name of Rich. Sure. When Rich is sorting cards, he's super fast. Other people, not so much. And so if they're talking and sorting, apparently they can't do both at the same time. And, uh, uh, or they go really slow because they're afraid to make a mistake. And it's not, you know, if it's a mistake, it'll be caught. And if you're going through 10,000 cards, much less 100,000, or I think you had a million card, got to be able to go through it quickly. And you got to tolerate that one out of a thousand might be a mistake. <laughs> My girls help me out every once in a while, mainly yeah. if I've got a big, you know, some monster boxes of junk wax or stuff. Yeah. I'll have them go through and help me pull out cubs because I give them to to Bo for the One Million Cubs project. And my one of my girls has helped me a little more than others, and she knows my quarter boxes and some of the people that I pull out of those. Right. So if she sees a, a Don Mattingly or an Andre Dawson or Daryl Strawberry or some of those guys that I put in my kind of quarter boxes, she'll she'll set those aside too. But I know there's a few of those missing. But like you said, these are monster boxes of junk wax era cards and so if they if they miss a griffey jr or whatever okay so whoever's gonna buy the bulk from me is gonna get some decent stuff and i like to leave a little bit of that stuff in there anyway just so they're not getting all commons and so i don't worry about it too much and so uh yeah there's a little bit of that but i don't give them like boxes of newer stuff or um you know, some of the things that could have some, some significant parallels or things like that, that they might fly by. But if you're in the 87 to 92 window or so, it's pretty safe to, to let them kind of. They're all base cards. It's yep. just a question of who the player is. Now, I, I had, my son had, was not interested in baseball that much, my basketball, but football, he had, he did a lot of fantasy football. So he wasn't a collector. But he had his buddies that also did fantasy football. It's a few number of years ago. And so I said, hey, just come on over. And they had no problem going through the football and pulling out the players that were that were uh, that were good. Yep. But again, in football, it's rookies or stars. And there weren't that many rookies. This was mainly just veteran players or and the, any and they were not so ancient that that they didn't know. Uh, guys they were mainly cards from the 2000s and stuff like that and so there's a there's a kind of a pecking order of where cards go every card should find a home is it true that you bought did you you just took possession where they were of a million card inventory is that correct yeah so the the shop so you didn't have to buy, uh, rent a truck or anything no no i didn't have to rent a truck or anything like that the kind of shop within a shop setup that we have there was a bunch of inventory that was already out for sale and and on display and then there was a storage room within that shop where there was a, another huge chunk of of cards that were kind of in that back room storage area already there the only thing that i had to transport was the third area was the the gentleman's third stall of his three car garage that was completely full and so it took me a few loads in 
Um, my, I think it was, or we had a minivan at the time, but it was several trips okay. with the minivan to his garage and back to our house where I, I took all of the stuff that was in the third stall of the garage. He only lived a, a couple miles from me, uh, three or four miles from me. So it was a pretty quick trip back and forth, but uh, I didn't have to, it, it wasn't like an extended U-Haul or, you know, out of town type of thing. It was, it was pretty local and majority was at the shop already. And, and what wasn't was only a few miles away and, and the minivan took care of that. Okay. So my car, I figured out I can get maybe 25 super monster boxes in the back seat, the front seat, the trunk, add it all up. That's about a hundred thousand cards. Your minivan maybe can do a little bit better than that. Yeah. The minivan can do better than that. And the pickup truck that I have now can do a little bit better than that too. Um, but yeah. And so, like I said, it was probably only a third of that million that was in his garage that I had to get. That'd be like, for me, that'd be three trips. Yep. Yeah. And it was only about probably two, two trips for me with the, the minivan at that point, because I didn't take any kids and I had all the seats down and all of that kind of stuff. So you could fit quite a bit in the back. Second problem. What what is your staging area at your house? I mean, I'm running out of room. I don't know about you. Yeah, so I am fortunate. So we also have a three-car garage with kind of an extended work area in the back of the garage. And so I even still having all, all of the cars in, I was able to get a lot of that in that three-car garage. We also have um, a four-bedroom house and there's only three of us. Well, there's my wife and I, and then two kids. So we only use, we only use three of the four bedrooms. Okay. And so at part of me taking over that shop and expanding my presence online, uh, my wife and I had a conversation about, Hey, listen, we have this guest room that only gets used two, maybe three times a year when people come. What if I expand what we're doing, put up some shelving and use that that fourth bedroom as kind of my card room. And I've, I've got, you know, the metal shelves, five stack metal shelves in there now kind of that houses a lot of my eBay sport lots and, and all of that inventory. And that allowed me to also have some kind of inside the house storage for some of the unsorted things as well. And so I'm fortunate that we've got the ability to do that, but that's kind of the approach that I've been able to take is, is utilize that fourth bedroom. Well, what about a big work table? I mean, how do you, do you need a surface area or, cause I understand I've got big shelves and everything, but sometimes you got to get the cards out and, and sort them or put them on a table or whatever. Do you, do you have that arrangement as well? Not dedicated. So my, my desk that I use, um, kind of my work desk is probably a four by three, five by three work desk. And then we've got a really large coffee table as well in our family room downstairs and so if if I'm going to be in the middle of sorting or pulling some cards out to do some sorting, you know, in the evening, I'll, I'm able to use that kind of large coffee table in the basement as well to do some things. But um, between my desk and the coffee table, that typically works well. Um, and then at the shop, we've got all kinds of kind of, you know, standard eight foot tables that we use. Okay. So if you're at home and you're doing this, can can what what I do two things at once. So. My second thing is I'll be watching TV yep. and sorting some cards. Do you have a second thing? Are you, you know, conversing with your kids or, you know, my wife will be there sometimes, but it's, 
you know, that will be three things. And basically intimate conversation does not mix with cards. You want to talk to your wife, drop what you're doing, talk to your wife. Uh, it's same thing with kids, but watching TV, you know, I can watch the Cowboys, you know, uh, play if they're playing well, <laughs> you know, a lot of, uh, I mean, basketball is hard to watch because it's more continuous action, but so what's your second thing when you're do, uh, breaking down these million cards? Yeah. So there's a, a couple things. So first of all, I'm an early riser. And so on my own, without an alarm clock, I'm usually up between 4.45 and 5 o'clock every morning. And I don't have to either be at work if I'm going into the office or start work or if I'm working from home until about 7. So I usually have hour and a half to two hours every morning where that's where I'm doing a lot of my filling orders, kind of finalizing podcast type stuff and sorting if I've got a collection to go through or, you know, going going through these these boxes. In the evening, like you said, it, it sounds very similar to what, what you're doing. So we'll, it's in the basement already. That's kind of where we've got kind of a family room set up too. And so we'll have a show on Netflix or Disney plus or something like that. And the family will be watching a show and, and I'll have a box of cards that I'm going through. Sometimes they're helping me out too, depending on what it is that, that we're going through. And we kind of have the the show on in the background or a game on in the background, like you had mentioned, something like that. Um, but yeah, if it, if it comes down to, we need to be having some quality time, I'm not doing that with quality time with the kids or quality time with my wife. It's when we're kind of just have a, a show going or we're catching up on, on survivor, or the, the latest Disney plus show or star Wars show or whatever it is that that's out at the time. Quality time is, is spelled not C A R D. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be focused on, uh, the main thing, but although, uh, okay. although you'd be surprised sometimes when the girls come with me to the shop, the times that we're just sitting there at a table together, going through a monster box, some of the conversations that we're able to have, you know, in the midst of all of that have, have been some pretty good conversations with the girls. So it's, it, it's not always that way, but, but there are times where we're even that going through that box of cards at the same time, we're able to have some, some conversations that have nothing to do with cards, even though we're both looking at cards. Well, it's like uh, carpool conversations. I can remember that when, it, when, uh, when they want to talk about something, you need to listen and, and uh, get a good back and forth. And, and, uh, but if you can do that with cards and they are not uh, jealous of the cards, then I think that that's great. Okay. Now on the selling side. So once you've organized them, your main platforms, I thought were Com C, which is pretty amazing that once you send it to them, your work is mostly done uh, or, and I, I think you sell on eBay and you do some sports lots, sport yep. lots. That's correct. Uh, is the sport lots the most laborious for you? Or um, for sure, yeah. Sport lots is is takes up the most amount of time because not only do you need to have the cards kind of organized very well to be able to get them listed and and know where to look when it's time to pull a card and you make a sale, but you're also doing all of the pulling, packing, and and shipping along the way with those with those sport lots cards. But eBay, you see, my eBay sale, I don't do sports lots because of that, because I yep. think it's too time intensive. And I'm wondering what my average order size would be. With ComC, I don't care if I get a $2 order because I don't have to do anything except, I mean, if it's unless they made me an offer, which they always do for the cheaper cards, it seems like. And you're one of the guys, you know, yeah. so 
makes an offer and I just I think ah, let it let it let it go. But eBay, I kind of pre preload my lots. Do you have them ready to go or are you selling eBay cards one at a time of a you know the price point above Comp C? What what's your strategy there? Because I'm the other way. I'm at the other end. A lot of what I've done on eBay lately has been complete sets that I'm getting um, in some of these collections. And I'll usually bundle those up into kind of lots of three complete sets because they fit well in a medium sized flat rate or some of the other mailing boxes right. that, that you're able to kind of consolidate that and make it more economical from a shipping perspective. And so a lot of complete sets and those types of things I'll put on eBay or some of the other memorabilia type items or cards that, for me, cards that are kind of $20 and, and up is kind of my threshold that I shoot for. I'll have exceptions here and there that I'll, I'll have on eBay as well. But, but typically, I'm focusing at these days more on complete sets, memorabilia, and some of the cards that are kind of $20 and up. By complete sets, what do you mean? Because some of the sets, they're, they're you know, if you go to the really older sets, they're really expensive you know, the 50s and 60s and even 70s, you get into the 80s and 90s, you have some smaller sets that are ancillary, you know, oddball sets. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the regular sets, and then you get into 2000, the 2010s, they're short sets, you know, you've got this set without the short without the uh, short prints. So what, what, what kind of ages and stages of cards are you selling complete sets of? Yeah, that's a good clarification. So over this this last year, the types of collections that I've been buying, there was a bunch of junk wax era sets from the mid 80s through the, the early 90s. And I found a lot of success by kind of putting together uh, a lot of 87 Topps, Donnerson, Fleer together in, into one listing and selling those or 387 Donra sets or 389 Fleer sets, those types of things where I'm able to get depending on what year it is, you know, anywhere from 30 to $50 for that lot of, of three sets, you know, plus shipping. And at the price that I'm paying, I'm, I'm happy to, to move them at that rate. Um, but there's still been kind of a demand for those, you know, those sets at, at those levels of, of prices. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about with those. I've also put together you know, I'll, I'll figure out kind of a mix of things that will fit into a, a regional rate box or or some of the different size priority boxes. And I might put together a lot of 10 to 15 of those different kind of 40 card retail sets or 50 card retail sets that Fleer and Tops were putting out with Woolworths and KB Toys and Walgreens and all of those different types of retail sets that were out in the late eighties and early nineties. And I found a lot of success kind of providing a variety of those things all in one listing as well. And so sometimes I'll bundle up some of those because again, they might only be worth two or $3 alone, but if I can get 10 or 15 or 20 of them in kind of one flat rate box and then get 30 or $40 for that, you know, okay. 20, 20 micro set type thing, that's, that's worked well for me too. Okay, well, you have a reputation. I have a reputation. You have a good reputation. I think I have a good reputation. But your reputation is not good if you pack insecurely or you sell sets as complete that are not complete. So, number one, 
do you verify the completeness of these sets if they're assuming they're not factory sets? How much time does that take you? And then how careful are, I mean, I like what you're doing with the, with the, uh, the medium flat rate. I, I use that a lot. You can get three, three, 660, 700 count kind of boxes in there. Yep. Um, but first of all, just on the verification of sets, I went to sell some sets like that. And I, I thought, well, I better just check before I put it up there. And they're, they're never missing a common card. They're they're missing the the star a lot of times. The best. So what's going on there? Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And what I typically do, you hit right on it. If it's not a factory sealed set with you know the tape that Fleer used to have on some of those different things, or the Donruss sets that were sealed in the mini cellophane kind of wrappings inside those factory sets, if it's an eighty four top set or an eighty seven top set. Like I'll look and see, does it have the Mattingly? Does it have the strawberry? Does the 87 set have the Barry Bonds, the Bo Jackson, the Jose Canseco, the Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire, some of those guys that people are going to really want to get. And I'll double check those key cards out of those sets, like Ken Griffey Jr. and an 89 Fleer set, you know, those types of things. I'll check on those key cards to make sure they're, they are there. Um, but I don't necessarily go through every single card to double check, but I'll look for those key cards in there before I list it. Okay. Uh, I make, I have a big stack and people may not know, but I mean, your blog is your, your, your writings are very helpful, not just your, your podcasting, but when you talk about the shipping methods and stuff like that, well, one of my go-tos is, as you said, the medium flat rate. Uh, but my other one is the uh, padded flat rate. Um, uh, the the padded envelope yeah the flat rate and it's 10 bucks ish you know something like that and you've always said you can get 800 cards in there but i'll tell you what getting two 400 count boxes in there i just want you to look look me in the eye and tell me that that's not a headache for you to get two 400 counts it takes a you little bit of massaging for sure to get a lot of massaging those those two 400 count boxes in there but it it definitely fits. It definitely works. Two three thirties is is definitely a little more easy to fit in. But but on a if I've got two four hundred count boxes that I need to send, I can do it. It just takes a little bit, uh, kind of a slow and steady stretch to get that second box in. But um, it it definitely does fit. It's I'm not a cussing guy, you know, but it just it's so it's borderline. You can, <laughs> it's so hard getting it in there, and so I've got my little little tricks for how I can do that. Okay. So I asked you this, one of the reasons we're talking today, I asked you about like a 200 count box, if you filled it up. So you had a couple of small sets or something and it's a, could you just slap a label on it and send it out? And uh, the postage would be probably, you probably would save money by not doing the padded flat rate. The postage should be less than 10 bucks but maybe not a lot less. And so the 200 count box, whether it's sets or stars or something, uh, the perception, if I get a box in the mail that is not in a puffy, you know, padded envelope, I'm thinking the person didn't have that extra level of care and I'm be looking for damage, even though there probably isn't. So I want to ask you about 200, ca 200, 200, ca 200 cards, and then following up with 100 cards, what do we do? 
Yeah, it's a, it's another good clarification, right? So there are a couple different things. So you know, when we, when we were talking about that a little bit offline, one of the things that I mentioned is I've received 400 count boxes or 330 count boxes, you know, with just a label on them, you know, when I've, when I've ordered things and much like anything, it all comes down to how they package those things and protect those things inside that box of whether it makes it safely or not. Um, I've not really had any major issues with people who have, who have done that. Um, but they've added a little bit of extra bubble wrap or those types of things inside that box so that the cards aren't bouncing up and down and, and flinging around and those types of things when when it's being shipped. Um, maybe once did I have one of the very edge cards, like on the, the front or the back of the stack, have a little issue. Um, there's times where I've got those and the majority of those cards were were penny sleeved. And in those situations, I never had any issues if it was a penny sleeve card inside one of those those boxes. And so it is a, a possibility to, to ship that way. Although if it is kind of my rule of thumb is if it's going to be less than a pound, it's for sure cheaper to send it just first class. But I have padded envelopes that I get from eBay in my eBay store and I get those super cheap where I have just regular padded envelopes that I'll stick that 200 count box inside, kind of fold it over, tape it so it's somewhat snug and secure inside that padded envelope. And I'll still be able to send it first class at a lower price point, but um, adds that extra layer of protection. Well, again, sports card insights, try to have one each time. I think 200 cards are almost exactly one pound. I mean, it's give or take based on the, the era of the cards, whether they're junk wax or uh, more, th you know, thicker, more modern cards, but it's a, it's roughly 20 pounds for a super monster box of 4,000 cards. Hence, you know, a pound is about 200 cards. So if you had 200 cards, I think with packaging, you'd be over that first class mail threshold. Yeah, so if if you're over if you're over a pound, I don't think there's a cheaper way to go than the padded flat rate envelope. And if yeah. you're buying that through eBay or Pirate Ship, um, you know you're paying about eight dollars and thirty cents for that that padded flat rate. Okay, so my point is at two hundred, I think it's right on the borderline of a pound. So a hundred, definitely, I think you'd want to do first class mail. In some other kind of a very light, I mean, you can't do it in the PWE. It's too right. thick for that. So you need some kind of padding or some kind of a box. And yeah, if so you have a box, that's going to add to the weight. If you have the, so what do you do for hundred? Yeah. So those I'll either use a, if I have any on hand, I'll use a you know a hundred to two hundred count box and then pad it well inside and put it in one of those bubble bubble mailers. Um, I've got a decent number because they always come in in random collections. Some of the the clamshell type cases, the snap cases, and those types of things, and I'll I'll put them in those as well, and and use one of those bubble mailers, um, not the flat rate bubbles, but the the regular bubble mailers, and and that's what I'll typically do for those kind of cart the 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 orders that I get that are more than can go in a PWE, which for me is ten cards and up to that one pound, one pound rate. Okay. I, I'm thinking about 
not doing the box because I think the box adds cost and weight. And so I'm thinking about using set bags. Mm -hmm. So if I take uh, like three set bags uh, with 33 cards in each one or 34 in one of them, a hundred cards. Sure. And then I, so I do three set bags, seal them up. And then maybe I've got a lot of extra bubble wrap, you know, maybe give it a wrap of bubble wrap and then put that inside the bubble mailer. Yep. That's another, another approach that I'll use from time to time. Um, in, in the boxes that I'm using, when I mentioned the boxes, I'm not buying boxes to do that. I'm, I'm reusing boxes that have come to me in a collection, but in the scenario that you're talking about, I have done that in the past too, typically for cards, like orders that are less than a hundred cards. I'll put them in a team bag and then I'll sandwich that team bag either in between two pieces of cardboard or or even two top loaders, used top loaders that I, you know, that aren't necessarily looking good for <laughs> displaying cards, but are still functional. No. I'll, I'll, I'll put them in the team bag and then I'll sandwich it between two top loaders and tape, you know, on all four sides of that. And you can kind of make two equal um, stacks of those side by side and fit them in some of the kind of size, I guess it's maybe double zero, kind of the six by nine right. size of, of bubble mailer. And I'll put those in there too, to, to kind of send some of those kind of 20 to hundred card type orders in in kind of packages like that. And I've, I've not received any complaints from people saying that those have arrived damaged. Well, you're taking extra care. I'm trying to take less care and still not have problems. Uh, so I want to have less time and less weight, and but keep the security of not. I mean, I'm I'm a serious enough collector. I know I don't want. I don't like getting cards that are dinged. Yeah. But uh, you know, a box within a box within a box, which is kind of what they recommend, is seems like overkill. Um, Cause I've run out of boxes now of certain sizes of sure. the, of the smaller one. Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer coming to you from the sports card shop in beautiful new Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around the sportscardshop.com connecting sports athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. So there you have part one of the conversation with Dr. Beckett, where we cover sorting, organizing, listing, shipping. And what I love about that conversation the most is that to me, it just felt like two friends sitting around talking about cards and talking about the way they like to buy and sell and list and organize cards. And so it was very conversational in nature. And uh, we just kind of had a, had a good chat there. So I hope you liked having the opportunity just to kind of listen in onto that conversation. Come back next week where we're going to do part two where I get to ask Dr. Beckett a few questions. I think you're going to enjoy that as well. I wanted to dig in a little bit to leadership. And so we talk a little bit about his approach to leadership throughout his time leading Beckett. So that's going to be kind of one of the main points of next week's conversation. 
Well, that is all I have for you today. I would love any feedback that you've got. You can reach me at waxpackhero at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Mike Summer. You can follow me on TikTok or Instagram at waxpackhero. And check out the YouTube channel as well. I'm starting to get some more videos up there again. And a lot of our future interviews that I record here in 2023, I'm going to be trying to get those up in video format as well. So make sure you check out the YouTube channel too. That is all I've got for you today, so I will catch you next time.